if you want to be a father, if you want to be a good parent, if you want to be a loving parent, when you heal the child inside of you, the universe will then put one in your arms. And that was the medicine that I needed. That was the medicine that I needed that totally shifted mm. my path and that put me on a path of really self-reflecting and being even more honest with myself because honesty is the bridge to everything we want. Welcome to the Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. This is a Soul Fire production. Today on the show, we've got Josh Trent. Now, Josh is the host of the Wellness and Wisdom podcast that has over 400 recorded high-level interviews. Josh is a very heart-centered, intelligent, and articulate human being that I feel so fortunate to be able to call a friend. Now, I've known Josh for approximately three years now, and in this time, I've been blessed to be on his podcast multiple times. And so while he's normally the person asking me the questions, today the tables have turned, and we really get to drop in and get to know Josh at a much, much deeper level. We go into topics such as conscious fatherhood, reevaluating our ideas and our experiences around failure, an incredibly powerful rite of passage called a vision quest that Josh has participated in twice, as well as ways that we can heal generational wounds. Now let's get ready for a fire interview with Josh Trent. Mike Salemi in the house. We even got the smoke going. <laughs> this is so cool, man. We're not editing shit. We're just going to roll. Okay. Well, man, first and foremost, I haven't seen you in what? At least two, three years in person? Couple years. I think we saw each other quickly at Alex and Sarah's house, but we didn't necessarily do a deep drop in. Like Was that this. when you first were exploring moving? No, out here? it's the last time you came out. And I believe you were talking about, okay, I'm raising my prices. I'm stepping up my game. I'm <laughs> growing. But maybe it was a couple of years ago. I don't know. The events kind of blend together. Yeah, man. I totally hear you. Well, yeah. this is like, again, I was sharing with you right before we started recording. It's so cool seeing where you were when we first podcasted. I yeah. think that was around, if I recall, around Paleo FX. Gosh, uh, yeah. And that was like you were interviewing Paul Check right before. So you were coming in hot, yeah. like back to back to back. I don't even know how many podcasts you did. Oh, that's such a cool memory. Dude, and so to I see, love that. you served me up some cacao, which is why I wanted to bring you the special yeah. ceremonial cacao today. So yeah, thanks, man. Dude, super, super well, special. And welcome. in that time... It's been so cool to see you really stepping into the role of a father from afar, right? We haven't had really much at all of a conversation on that, which is really what I want to dive into today. And so first and foremost, dude, how old is Nova? If you can just give me a little high level, yeah. what's it like to now be a dad? Well, he's 17 months at the end of this month. So we're in November 2022. What's it like being a dad? An analogy that I could explain to you would be rock hounds, how they go and like search in the ground for diamonds. It's basically, uh, I feel like my heart has been searched in crevices and places that I didn't even know these love diamonds could exist. In other words, I thought I knew what love was, but when I went through the Stargate portal and actually like saw Nova and was able to embrace him, it changed me on a cellular level, on a spiritual level that 
you're about to go through that I'm so happy for you. It brings up a lot of emotion in me just to see your experience with Lauren and what you guys are about to go through because there are just certain things that I've learned about being a father that I absolutely could not have learned if I wasn't a father. In other words, we learn stuff in relationship that we thought we had healed and here's the relationship being the mirror. Well, fatherhood is like a compounded aspect of that mirror where no matter what you do, no matter how you are, no matter what you've brought to the table, I have experienced a deepening of my healing, a deepening of my understanding about what God is, mm. and a visceral embodiment of how to love, like how to really love someone and accept them for who they are and not project my shit onto them because kids will challenge you. Infants will challenge you. We were talking about teething. And Nova's molars are coming in. So all the parents out there, you know what I'm saying? When the teeth come in, the sleep goes away. So there's lots of lessons I've learned. I thought man. the sleep was going away before that. Everyone's giving me like their words of wisdom and their experience. So now yeah. the sleep goes away as well with the molars. Well, the sleep's going to come and go. So much like the tide in the ocean, it goes in, it goes out. <laughs> and so until, but every child's different. You know, my experience doesn't have to be yours. Mm. But I will say like on a heart level, on a physical level, there's a challenge that you haven't met yet that you're about to meet and it's going to mature you. It's going to bring you like way up the mountain. It's going to bring you to a place of maturation that you weren't even aware. It was like a blind spot for me, for sure. I didn't know how much I had to mature until I was called upon to do so. And I didn't even know what that would feel like or look like until the threshold was there. Carrying Nova for the first six months, walking him back and forth in the room, being incredibly sleep deprived. And a lot of people had told me, they were like, yeah, you got to watch out for that sleep deprivation. That shit's real. But you have to actually just go through it yourself to understand what real sleep deprivation is. Mm -hmm. You know, the FBI and CIA and military compounds have been using sleep deprivation to basically get people to divulge secrets. So it's like the number one thing that you can do to torture someone <laughs> is, to, <laughs> is to give them lack of sleep. Well, as much as I love Nova and I'll do anything for him, you know, anything at all, it will take a toll on you physically that you are not prepared for. And I don't think anybody ever could. Mm -hmm. Like you could be the most fit, healthy person. It will still rock your world. Mm. So with yeah. that, you know what's interesting though too, and I don't know if it's just the conversations that I'm having, and it's the people in my life have really been <laughs> doing a good job whether they know it or not. I don't want to say preparing me, but giving me insights on all the challenges. Yeah. Which is beautiful. And maybe that's the default because it is really hard and it's the forefront of people's mind. And I'm really curious. Not too many people have actually talked about the light side of it. And I am like, I don't even know. I know I'm going into some type of heart-centered battle with yeah. this whole thing, which is great. But on the lighter side of stuff, what's having a baby meant to you? Mm. That part of the heart that I had mentioned before. Mm. There's an incredible amount of healing and of catharsis that happens when you become a parent mm. that I can't necessarily put into words perfectly, but I'll try. Okay. <laughs> I'll try. I remember one of the first times I was walking with Nova in our house and it was like two in the morning or something and he was crying and then he started to calm down and I was patting him and he was very small. He was like this little tiny sack of potatoes and I'm walking back and forth and I had this ceremonial moment. A same type of ceremonial moment that I had with ayahuasca, with breath work, with mushrooms, where you can be outside yourself. You can observe yourself in this 3D, in this suit that we walk around in. And I had this vision of 
my father and my mother and my grandparents doing that for their babies. Wow. And it was like, I mean, I can actually feel it right now just talking to you about it. It was an unlocking of a cosmic library where I was able to feel and see and hear and taste and touch like all the senses. I was actually there and it broke me in half. And I started crying because I was like, wow, my dad, although perfectly imperfect in his own way, because this is the path that his soul chose. (laughs) Funny, we're on the path podcast. The path that my dad chose, the path that my mom chose, the path that my grandparents chose, they chose that path separate from mine, but yet our paths are woven together. Mm. And so the only way that I can be in the comfort and in the surrender of that weave is if I just love and accept them for the best job that they could have done. And I just had deep outpouring of compassion for my father and my mother specifically in that moment because I was holding Nova, patting him. And I was like, they've done this for me. They've definitely done this for me when there was love there. And so that's one of the beautiful things, which is related to having a child, to being Nova's dad. But also there was another moment I'll share. Talk about the light. I was waking up one morning. We hadn't slept that well. We have this air filter in our room that like cleans the air in our room and it's kind of loud. And I just happened to wake up and I open my eye, kind of wipe the coal out of my eye and I look and there's Nova like barely walking. This is when he was like eight or nine months old. He started walking at 11 months old and eight or nine months, he's propped himself up on the Austin air filter and he's going (laughs) and the breeze is going out of the filter and he's going like this. And he's letting the air hit his face. It's like the first time in his life that he was allowing a breeze to hit his face. And I mean, God, that just makes me feel like emotional right now. Just talking to you about it. It's so special. It's so beautiful to witness. One of the most beautiful things about being a father is witnessing a human being's experience for the very first time. Many, many new experiences for the very first time. And so that's another really cool one. I mean, there's so many, but those are like the big two that I feel right now. You know, it's so neat that you said that because so interesting. So we wanted to do the gender reveal with our family or at least wait. And then I don't think we had the intention of waiting all the way till the actual birth itself. Yeah. But we had told like all the doctors, everyone where we were going, do not tell us the gender of the baby. Like we want to be surprised or we want to find out on our own accord. And then literally she gets an email saying like, congratulations, like here you go. You know what happens? And I don't know if you study NLP, whenever you say anything, all the universe hears is yes. (laughs) So if you say to the universe, don't tell us the gender of the baby, all the universe hears is gender of the baby. (laughs) What would you say? How would you reframe that for the next one? I'm Uh, excited to be surprised about the gender at the time we choose. (laughs) Very specific, very forward focused. Language is powerful. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, in that moment, so then she had to, or she didn't have to, but she chose to keep it a secret for me until we actually did a family thing where our families met for the first time and it was really special. But one of the things I was reflecting on in that moment, it's exactly to your point, in life, there are so few genuine surprises nowadays. Like, Mm. when can we actually say that we are genuinely surprised? And so the fact that you get to experience that through Nova or through witnessing his experience of it, that in and of itself is so special, man. So special. It really is. I love talking about this with you because it's a reminder for me. It's a refresh for me, for my subconscious and my conscious to integrate more. Mm. Because a lot of times when I'm, because, you know, we lead very fast paced lives as entrepreneurs, right? Like you said, before we flicked on the record, 
your lady has to remind you to eat because you just go. <laughs> and I'm like that where I'll be here in the studio working and I'll look down and it's already six o'clock. Wow. And I've just knocked out so many things. So it's easy for my unconscious mind to victimize myself, to not remember the loving things, to not feel, to not allow myself to feel the love and the gratitude that I have for my son and my woman and my life. It's super easy because as Carl Jung said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll rule your life and you'll call it fate. Mm. So if I don't have a conscious observation of Josh the dad, Josh the entrepreneur, Josh the podcaster, Josh the soul, then it can be super easy for the unconscious to take over and feed me little dictator comments like, you're not working hard enough. This child is hard to take care of. Like my guy has a little voice. It kind of like goes like this. It's almost like a little, like a hardcore Jiminy Cricket, like a negative Jiminy Cricket or something. And so what does that part of me want? That part of me just wants love and acceptance as well. It wants relief. Mm. I don't think that's always a bad thing. I don't think that our ego and our tyrant inside is always bad. I think it's actually helping to guide us and help direct us towards love and towards the path. It's bringing us on the path. Mm. If we didn't have the ego and we were all heart and all soul, how would Mike differentiate from Josh? Mm. How would we ever be uniquely ourselves? So it's a big concept. There's a lot to unweave there, but it's all related to fatherhood because without fatherhood and motherhood, our civilization perishes. Mm. So we owe it to our civilization, our society, ourselves, to God, to replenish the earth. And I don't mean that from a religious perspective. You can attach that if you want. It's all good. But I just mean that from a spiritual level. Like I owe it to my family, my grandparents, my mother, my father, to replenish the earth. Otherwise we perish. Mm. I love that, man. That's why I'm so glad you're going to be a dad. <laughs> well, I'm curious. So one of the things that came up, I was podcasting just the other day with our mutual friend, Alex Ruchinsky. Yes. And one of the things that came up on there that it's so interesting now having these conversations because it's bringing so much into my awareness and really heart opening me. But he had shared something about, I'm paraphrasing, but a fear of his is, letting his family down now. Mm. And that hit me so hard because that was never something that would have remotely been in my awareness. But it's been something that I almost, we both got basically emotional on and started tearing up because I've never, yeah, I don't want to let down even my family before Lauren, but never at this level. And he's not even here yet. He's here, but he's not birthed yet. And I'm like, wow, that is actually a rising fear. Me, I don't want to let my family down. So I'm curious for you, how would you say, pre-Nova and now, are you afraid of different things or what comes up in terms of what maybe you're afraid of? The loving solution is actually in your question because you're saying, how do I meet this fear of failure? Mm. How do I not let my family down? Mm. And the only way that you can guarantee that you won't ever let your family down is if you choose to tend to the child inside of you, to the family inside of you, then if you do that, you're good, you're golden. There's nothing that could ever happen. Even if you went through bankruptcy or there was an injury or God forbid there was a loss or whatever it was, like even if something, such a catastrophe occurred, as long as you are tending to the inner child in you, to young Mike, and as long as I'm tending to young Josh and I'm being honest with my woman, I'm even being honest with my son and my children, about this is what daddy's working on or this is what daddy's experiencing, but I love you and I got you. Mm. Nothing could ever bring me out of love. Nothing could ever bring me out of success with my family or myself if I just continually recommit to tending to my own garden, to tending to me. 
And at first audible, people might be like, what? Yeah. (laughs) What I mean by that is there's no such thing as failure. Now, this is an interesting concept. There's actually no such thing as failure when it comes to being a father. There's not. You can be an exceptional father. You can be a terrible father. But again, like people are gifted this life. I believe that our souls choose to come in for this contrast that we experience. So if that's true, and just try this on for a second, this doesn't have to be your truth, but like if it's true that your soul chose to bring you into this world and you knew coming into this world that you would experience these unique challenges and you also add in the component of free will, Mm. which is what you and I are growing here in this path conversation, we're growing our love combined with free will, then there's no such thing as failure. Because if you look at it like, okay, this is a lesson, or wow, I could have done this better, or oh, okay, I could have improved. Now that I have the experiential learning and I have the life experience, now I can become a better father in this lifetime or the next. Mm. And that's the part that people don't understand because it's so easy to use divisional language that's shaming like failure, success, good, bad, right, wrong, black, white. But in the universe, that shit doesn't exist. There's no such thing as right or wrong, good or bad in the universe. And we're universal creatures, right? We don't know what the hell is going on, but a part of us understands that there's something way bigger, way more surreal, way more that we couldn't even connect to with our logical mind that's actually going on. That's the arbiter of all things. That's the omnipresent energy that guides all things. So what I really mean here is if you can just try this on for a second, that there actually is no such thing as failure Mm. at all. It doesn't exist. Then the reframe is that of a lens through empowerment. Mm. Because when I look at experiences where nothing is a failure, yeah, some things might make me feel like shit. (laughs) I might make a mistake as a father. That's cool. But is it really even, to check my language, a mistake? It's more just like a navigational switch where, ah, I see that my behavior produced this result. I see that my mindset produced this result. I see that my wounds produced this separation. And just constantly, constantly, constantly reflect on that, with, again, without shame or judgment of yourself. Then you can never lose, man. Hmm. That, to me, is very comforting because money's going to come and go. Hmm. Friendships are going to come and go. But your family, family is so sacred. Mm. Family is so fucking sacred. And the fact that we live in a world where family is actually under attack by the media and under attack by the societal narratives and under attack by the CCP's interest in Hollywood and many different demonic forces in the world, now is a time for us to sit at the table and become the strongest fathers we can be. The strongest fathers we can be. And that includes being strong fathers from a place where we're not shaming ourselves for, quote, being a failure. Mm. So just try that on for a second and see how it feels. It feels fucking good to me that I can't ever fail. Yeah, I'm going to go through hardship. I'm going to go through lessons. You could even use the term mistakes, whatever. But failure is interesting because failure has a shaming to it. Mm. And if you look at Hawkins scale, the absolute lowest frequency we can ever experience on this planet is shame. So that's not a place we can create from as fathers or be empowered from either. I appreciate that, man. That I super appreciate that. And so with that said, kind of back to the question a little bit, is there something therefore that you're afraid of now or that you're still scares you? Good reframe. Yes. I would say that it's not necessarily what scares me, mm. but it's what brings me 
a projection into the future, like an anxiety about the future. Okay. And that is, will I be able to rise to the demands of this world that is ever changing really quickly? I guess you would say the thing that scares me most, and I'm cool to use that word, the thing that scares me most is what world are we creating as a collective that my son will live in? Mm. That's what scares me the most because I don't have any control over that. I just don't. I have control over how hard I work, how much money comes in, how much I protect my family, how we prepare for hardships. I have control over that to some degree, but I don't have super control over what's going to go on with the world and politics and oil and commodities and food and all this stuff. I just, I can't control it. So that's the one thing where I would say that does bring me at times, if I'm not sleeping, if I'm not mm. moving, if I'm dysregulated in my Pentagon, and we can talk about that too. If I'm dysregulated in my Pentagon, then that means that I'm more susceptible to those thoughts. I'm more susceptible to attaching to those fear-based thoughts where I project into the future my anxiety about me being able to handle the demand or handle the load. And so, yeah, that's a fear that I experience from time to time, for sure. It's so cool hearing your perspective now because I know since we first connected, like you had your challenge, like we all have challenges and stuff like that. So I'm curious for you. Yeah, I don't want to say having this new perspective, but hearing it and feeling it with you in front of me what would you say, was it the birth of Nova that shifted this? Or like, I'm just hearing you and feeling you different than in the past, which is beautiful. Yeah. And I'm curious, what were some of the biggest catalysts for that? I'm so stoked to answer that. And I want to know, <laughs> how did you experience me in the past? Let's get real. What was your experience of me in the past compared to now? So two years ago, um, pre-Nova. I mean, still you, still like there's still the heart of you. But I think too, like in our conversations around some of the financial stuff, the mm. struggles that you had gone through yeah, and just being very, you were always very open and honest with me. And so whether it was me coming out to podcast and it wasn't the right time because of X, Y, and Z and the yeah. financial struggles on you and the family and being in debt and like, damn, cause that, that financial, good. well, that financial piece and the little that I know about your wellness Pentagon, like yeah. you added that in, which I think is fucking brilliant. Yeah. And beyond brilliant, it's essential. So I think what I've seen and felt in you was just the struggles around that and how that is impacting not just your work, but your personal life. Yeah. And then now hearing the language and like the clarity and like just the fucking certainty or the groundedness in what you're saying. So that's probably been the biggest shift. This episode is brought to you by Men of Movement. Men of Movement is both my in-retreat offering as well as the one-on-one -on -one coaching and small group coaching that I offer specifically for men. Now today I thought I'd do things a little bit differently and I'm going to be sharing with you a testimonial from one of the recent Men of Movement participants. This gentleman is named Mark Laughlin and he is a copywriter as well as he helps people with business strategy and you're going to get to hear directly from him what he learned and what were the biggest takeaways from him after dropping into four days with myself, the other facilitators, and and the other incredible men. All right. So being at this retreat was with all these other men was awesome because we had the chance to start feeling safe enough to talk about the things that are really meaningful to us and to talk about the things that scare us and to connect on those things. It's that kind of experience that's just very human and just feels very meaningful, very meaningful to connect with other men where we aren't invested at least not as much in our facades of having everything together. And instead, we're learning from each other. We're seeing how each of us have our strengths and each of us have our weaknesses and all of that's good. 
and all of that's helpful for us. So it feels like a very supportive and a nurturing environment where it's a good feeling to be around a group of dudes where you feel like they see you for your strengths and your weaknesses. And that's all good. If anything that Mark shared today resonates with you and you think you'd be a good fit to join the next Men of Movement retreat happening June 6th through the 8th in Mount Shasta, California, go ahead and visit mikesalemi.io and in the upper right corner, you'll find a Men of Movement tab. Click that and you'll be able to fill out an application and hop on a call directly with me. Now let's get back to the show. Man, thank you for that reflection. Yeah. See, it takes a real friend to be able to share uncomfortable things. And I actually welcome that. Like one of the greatest gifts that a brother could ever give to another brother is the truth. Mm. Because we live in a world where everything's kind of sugarcoated and edited and encapsulated into neat little pills. And so I really appreciate that reflection because it makes me grateful for how far I've come. Mm. I feel really grateful for that. Because I remember that we had just moved out to Austin. We were staying at Ta and Cole's house in Spicewood. Remember, we did that podcast. Oh, yeah. You came over and you showed me the Eldoa and, yeah, and different yeah, yeah. movements. And so, fuck, I'm really proud of myself. I'm really proud of myself for where I've come from. And what was your other question, though? You stacked one more on top of that. It was something really good. I think it was just still somewhere around just like, what was the catalyst That's right. for this okay. new version or Josh 2.0, whatever you want to yeah. call it. <laughs> I mean, hopefully it'll be a three, three four, <laughs> five. It would be like the iPhone. You know, <laughs> when Mike is 90, it'll be like, Mike, version 73.5. Yeah. Still mm. kicking, baby. Yeah. Like, okay. The one thing that really called a shift for me actually wasn't something that I was ready for. In 2019, I went down to a place in Costa Rica and I got my ass kicked so hard in an ayahuasca ceremony. And this is actually before I met Carrie. And it's before I knew that she was going to be the mother of my child. But looking back, it's so clear why it occurred. You ever feel like that? Like mm. you look back one, two, three, four, five years ago, and you can see how the universal lines just connect perfectly. Mm. This quick story I'm going to share is really poignant because it allowed me to create the shift that I'm going to share right after it. So this is like an important, oh. this is important backstory. And everybody can relate to this if they've done a psychedelic journey of any kind where maybe it wasn't in the right space or maybe it kicked them so hard that it took them a long time to recover. Well, unfortunately, the place that I went to did not have the proper leadership. It did not have the safety in the space. I also came to find out that the medicine wasn't necessarily prepared in the most sacred way as well. And there were some things added to the medicine that weren't safe. So my soul chose that. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened because that's the way I can be empowered and how I navigate the change. And I had a psychic break. So I, for six months, had looping racing thoughts, OCD thoughts, self-harm thoughts, crazy, very like serial pornographic thoughts that were just not associated with my soul at all. Totally uncharacteristic. Completely Josh. uncharacteristic totally. of okay. my soul or who I am. Okay. And so I got home from that. And after about a month, I had done my breath work, my prayers, my meditation, all my tools. Nothing was working. And so I reached out to our mentor, Paul Check, and I said, Paul, I'm having a really hard time. This is where I went. This is what happened. And he wrote me back immediately. He's like, come up to the house. Shit. So this is back when he was at the heaven house before rainbow and I go to the heaven house and right when I walk in, I'm like, thank you so much for seeing me. And he's like, stop. He's like, you have a black crocodile on your body. Holy shit. 
And he's like, something has attached to your body. And I'm like, I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. Like I could feel. Now, by the way, entities only come in when there's space for them to live. So I don't think that all entities are demonic or bad. I actually think kind of how we were discussing earlier, the ego isn't always a bad thing. It's leading us closer to love. So I'm very grateful for this, but he showed me how to clear it. Now, if you would have told me five years ago, Mike, that entities were real, I would have said, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Entities, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what, what the hell is that? Anyways, long story short, I that get- That was Josh 0. 0.01. That was definitely not even a whole number yet. <laughs> that was like a fraction. So he helps me clear. He gives me some specific prayers and he cleared cords from my body. And he told me, he's like, you have cords connected, not just to your family and your friends, but to everybody in your lineages that you have taken responsibility for their pain, that you have taken responsibility for their hurt, their torment, and it's not yours. And he just cleared me for 30 minutes and I was having the thickest tears, raindrop tears for 30 minutes. And I got to the end of it and I just felt this relaxation. And I turned to him and I was like, I guess what this is all about is me healing from pornography. It's about me letting go of having pornography as my binky, my Linus blanket. And a lot of men don't ever get out of that. Some men, it stays with them into their 50s, 60s, and 70s. Mm. Pornography is another kind of demonic energy that doesn't have to be demonic. I think it can be you can have sacred erotic art, but pornography is like a very specific entity that feeds on people's lack of self-love and feeds on, and this is from my own experience, feeds on people's unwellness, feeds on people's disease. And so anyways, I turned to him and I was like, this, that's what this is about. This is about me healing. I know it now. And also I just feel this constant pressure and I felt it my whole life. Like, how do I do it all? How do I find the woman of my dreams? How do I create a family? This is 2019. Nothing in this reality as you and I sit here even existed yet. I hadn't even meditated on it yet. I hadn't even visualized it yet. I was literally just having to clean out the well of Josh so that I could create space for this. Mm. But I didn't know it at the time, which is why it's so great. And so he turned to me and he's like, do what? What are you trying to do? And I'm like, I'm trying to have this business and this woman and these children and this family And he's like, well, he grabbed me on the shoulder and he said, well, who's doing it anyway? Who's doing it anyway? And that was a big moment for me because I realized like I was doing it. I was the one creating all the stress, all the anxiety, all the future projections about what could go wrong because that was my hypervigilance I learned as a child. And so as I have unwound layer by layer by layer of the conditioning of Josh to see what's really in there, that's what's created my reality now. That's what's created my family, my son another baby on the way, multiple six-figure income. Like, and I don't say that. I, it actually feels good to say that. A lot of people in our space, they'll be like, I made this much money. And I'm like, I actually love money now. I love what money does for me. I don't love the pieces of paper, but I love the energy and the freedom that money brings. And then the very last thing I'll share is as I walked out of his house, I said, well, how do I do it all? And he said, well, you have to get really quiet and get really still. And you have to know that there is one truth that is that supersedes all. Mm. If you want to be a father, if you want to be a good parent, if you want to be a loving parent, when you heal the child inside of you, the universe will then put one in your arms. And that was the medicine that I needed. That was the medicine that I needed that totally shifted mm. my path and that put me on a path of really self-reflecting and being even more honest with myself because honesty is the bridge to everything we want. So when I was super honest with myself about the porn addiction, about incongruencies and the way I was showing up, about the ways that I was talking to myself or thinking about myself, 
that's what allowed me to meet Carrie in the desert in Sedona after a week after the podcast with Paul, where he gave me the soulmate prayer on the podcast. No way. Yes. Yes. Bless me that I choose my life's companion according to the laws of perfect, perfect soul, soul union. union. He gave me, yep. And then wow. less than two weeks later, I met Carrie. And then within three months, I knew. I was like, I don't know why, but I know I'm going to have a child with her. And then here we are. So that story that I told you was truly the hero's journey of the initiation. I was separated from everything that I ever knew, which was like, work hard, bypass how I'm actually feeling, keep working harder. That shit don't work. Mm. So I was ripe for an initiation. The initiation came where it took me two years, took me two full years to let go of the soul loss and the psychic shattering that I experienced in the ayahuasca journey. And I look back on that now and I'm actually very grateful for it. I don't wish it upon someone else. I don't wish it upon you. I don't wish it upon anyone because some people, Mike, they never come back. Some people go so deep into that medicine and they get shattered so much and they have so much soul loss, they never return. Mm. And I was lucky enough to return. So I'm fucking grateful for that. And it created the space that you and I are in now. So that was the story that led to meeting Carrie, coming to Austin, having our son, expanding the podcast, doing all these things. The journey that I had to experience of initiation is actually what allowed me to have this return. And so when I was initiated and I return here now, there's part of my soul that knows in the future there's going to be another hero's journey. It's going to happen. Mm. I don't know exactly when or where. I'm kind of enjoying where I'm at now. I'm like, let me just enjoy coming home for a moment, you know? So that's the turning point, man. That hits at the crux of your question. Well, a few things came up. One, I forgot about that prayer because when I was working with Paul, I really wanted to call in a soulmate too. Yes. And so I forgot about that prayer, but I had said that prayer so many times. Mm. So as you were saying it, I was just like, holy shit on yeah. the inside. And so yes. thank you for bringing that up oh, and sharing man. that. Dude. Give me a little love right there, a little pound. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So with everything that you experienced with that psychedelic journey and all that stuff, yeah. what place does, let's just say, any psychedelic have for you now? And what place do you think it would have for you moving forward? I've heard this before from many people in our world of wellness, I guess you could say. And it is that the intention is actually stronger than the dose. So the intention of why I'm coming to a ceremony of any kind Mm. can be an experience of ceremony in itself. Mm. There are actually some people, I promise I'll get to your question. There, (laughs) There are actually some people that go and sit in a ceremony and do zero medicine and have a cathartic experience just by being in the energy mm. of the space. I'm sure you've experienced this with combo. Maybe you yourself as a practitioner, you've gotten rid of something because of someone else's, or you've carried it for them and then released it for them. And so when it comes to psychedelics for me now, they're super intentional. Mm. They're actually very small dose. I've been doing some kana, which is really amazing. So microdosing kana is an African shrub. It produces a mild euphoria. If you take maybe like a double microdose, it can open up your heart chakra. It can increase serotonin and dopamine. So it's just dopaminergic. And it brings people to a state of euphoria, but it doesn't have the long-term effects like MDA or MDMA. MDA and MDMA, they really deplete your brain in a lot of different ways. I'm not here to say they're bad or good. But what I like about Kana is that it gives me a focused euphoria, similar to the feel free, like the Kava, little shot, the Kava, Kava in, the, in the Kratom. Yeah. 
but I really love Kana. That's been my go-to microdose lately. And then I'm also open to having some psilocybin microdose again as well. Mm. And for me, I have a tendency, and this is why on the coaster right there in the center of the coaster, there's an upside down triangle. And that upside down triangle is the water sign. It's the sign of feminine energy. Mm. I have a tendency to just go hardcore masculine and get shit done and kind of ignore my feelings. That's just like a proclivity that I've learned. So anything at all from a plant medicine perspective that I can do that brings me back into my feminine energy, that brings me back into my heart, that opens up my system to the possibilities of not always having to quote, complete everything because masculine energy is about completion. Feminine energy is about discovery and expansion. And so there's this beautiful blend that I think psychedelics can do for people to help them what I call integrate their ego. Because when I'm not integrated, when I'm fully neck up, when I'm all in my ego, I can get a lot of shit done, mm -hmm. but it ain't going to be that much fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. It ain't going to be fun. I'm not going to enjoy it, dude. It's not going to be like this. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be an enjoyable experience. And the so. connection that you have, or even that I dream of having with Luca, it's like, that's the getting shit done oftentimes is like what pulls us away from the connecting of the time with it's them. It's such a paradox though. Mm. This is actually to your question about fatherhood earlier. It lights a fire inside of you to protect and to serve yep. in such a way where, I mean, my income tripled when Nova came. It tripled. And now I'm like, okay, if having one child tripled my income, will another child triple my income? Because I'm ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down for that. But it lights a fire. And so the paradox is it requires more of our masculine energy to provide for the incoming life. Mm -hmm but also the incoming life deserves our presence. Mm -hmm. And so it's a shifting, moving target of where do I apply my energy? I'm thinking about this in real time. I've never thought about this. I've never said this before. Learning how to become a conscious father is a lot like learning any other skill. We mm -hmm. just don't treat it like that in our world. We think about learning a new movement in athletics or learning Carl Jung's work or learning anything new. And we enjoy that. We're like, okay, I'm going to learn this new thing. But how many people actually tell themselves, wow, I'm excited to learn how to be a father. Mm. I'm excited to learn how to be a mother. Mm. And can I treat being a parent like a cool, fun hobby, just like I would podcasting or reading a new book or learning some new kettlebell movements? Like all of that's just as important. So man, I've never actually considered that until right. This is what, remember the intention we set when we were eating the cacao? Yeah. I said, I want to learn something from the questions that Mike is asking. I want to learn something. That's what I've learned today so far. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll learn more, but can I treat being a father like a hobby that I'm in love with, that I really enjoy? And can I put it in the same type of excitement as, oh, I'm going to look at an audible book today about how to be a better dad. I'm going to listen, or I'm going to go to a workshop on parenting or Make it something for all the dads out there or even the dads to be. Make it something fun. Because otherwise, the unconscious is just going to give you a bunch of evidence as to why it's not. So we have to consciously gather that evidence. I super appreciate that because parts of me knows that I have no idea what I'm in for, right? And there's that. That's and pretty also, humble. That's good. Well, it's true for me. Yeah. But also what I can say or, and what I can say is I am so fucking excited and willing. Excited and willing, like, yeah, are the two words that really come up. And so, hearing you say that, 
And then the fact of just like my relationship, for example, with movement and how I've developed like that analogy really makes sense to me. Yes. So I appreciate that. Yeah. One thing I would love to touch on and hear your experience because I've heard some of your podcasts about it, but we've never really dove into it. So I would love for you to share. And if you can connect it to what you've learned about yourself and fatherhood, amazing. If there's anything else, amazing. Would love to hear you've gone on two vision quests now. Yeah. I was supposed to go on one recently, so I haven't even really talked about even what that is. So to hear it from you, I think would be hugely valuable, especially in the context of being a dad. I was really sad that you didn't get to go. Mm. I was really sad. When I found out that they were going to push the quest till after Luca came, Yeah, I was like, damn, I really felt for you because it's a gift. Like anytime we go through structured adversity like there because adversity is going to happen life's going to bring us adversity and then we learn lessons from it but when you have structured adversity it creates this powerful potent safe container to kind of rapidly grow or rapidly become more conscious about the bullshit that i or we project onto other people which is ultimately what healing is right the quality of our life is how few projections that we put on other people that's kind of like it for me. Mm. I, I'm in the understanding of that being true more than anything else, the more that I can be mindful of my projections to others. So when you go on a quest, and for people that don't know, the backstory on a quest is for millennia, Native Americans, before we even came here to the North American continent, really across the world, they would practice being in nature and fasted. And they would do this for multiple reasons. Number one, it gives them a higher connection to spirit, to great spirit or God or higher intelligence. And it allows them to be on a cellular level, be empty. And when you're empty on a cellular level, you can actually take in or you can call in anything that wants to come. Anything that wants to come that's in your highest good or in your highest learning. And so that's a spiritual way to explain it. But let's just say like in a scientific way, when you're fasted, you're in a state of ketosis. When you're in a state of ketosis, your brain is actually using a different energy source. So when it uses that different energy source, the brain is open to new neuroplasticity, to new thoughts that can be created from the axons and the dendrites and the action potential and all the biology terms. So when you're fasted and you're in nature, you're number one, removed from all stimuli. So the only thing that you're experiencing is the breeze, the temperature, the taste of water, which becomes your best friend. Water is like your best friend on a quest because <laughs> it's the only thing you can consume. There's no food for 100 hours. And so on a scientific level, that's what's happening. But on a spiritual level, what happened for me was I have struggled with a lot of chronic sinus issues my whole life, ever since I was a young boy. Looking back, I think it, I can tell that it was probably from the monstrosity of antibiotics that I received mm. for like the first 15 years of my life. It was antibiotics multiple times a year, every single year. And so I'm still looking at how do I replenish my gut flora? What do I need to do? And I'm 42 now. So this has like been a lifelong journey. As fate would have it, I got a sinus infection right before the quest this year. And it made me so angry. I had wanted to clear out some very specific resentments that I was aware of. And wouldn't you know it, I got a sinus infection right before I go on the quest. So Shit. we went to the Santa Barbara mountains. It's like east of Santa Barbara this place called Kuyama Valley. And the first night we get there, it rains. And I'm just like, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Sinus infection, rain. I'm totally victimizing myself. You know, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing out here? I take all this time off work. 
I'm away from my family, spent all this money to be out here. So good. What the fuck? Victimizing myself. And so for three days, you go through an intense ego stripping process. One of those days is a very deep sweat lodge, Mm. singing, chanting, purification. And as you know, I'm sure you've done this. I actually saw in your men's work that you do sweat lodges. So again, on a cellular level, emptying, empty, 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 remove, let go, let go, purify. And so you actually do the sweat and then right after the sweat, that's it. You're not eating anymore. Then you go into your quest. (laughs) Oh, really? You go into your quest. Wow. And the quest is four days and all you get to have is water. No flashlight, no fire, no anything. You can't even bring a journal or anything, nothing. Interesting. And so you go out there and... My first day, I was actually just getting acclimated. I was just like getting rid of everything, like a couple poops because there's still food in your system. And then laying there on a sleeping pad, a sleeping bag, and just a tarp. You don't get a tent, but you get a tarp in case it downpours. And that's all you have, dude. Nothing else. Four gallons of water. So what happened for me was I went out there and I had been feeling this for a long time where I had this ultimate desire not to dishonor myself and let go of the complete sadness that I was feeling, Mm. but to let go of the grief around the relationship with my father. Mm. Because I knew that, and I still know that to the degree that I'm in harmony and I'm in acceptance of who my father actually is without me having a contrived meaning of who I want him to be, that's peaceful. And when I'm peaceful, then I can bring that peace to my son. I can bring that peace to my woman. I can bring that to my business, to our podcast. And so it was like the second night I crawled up on this maybe three, 400 foot mountain and I looked down at my site. I could see my site and I knew I was like, I'm going to do a ceremony right there. I'm going to bury my father right there in the site. Wow. He, he's still alive, but I'm going to bury him. I'm going to bury the projected image of who I wanted my father to be so that I can be a better father to my son. Mm. And I climbed down the mountain. I must have sat up there for like five hours, dude. It was the longest meditation I've ever done. I had this beautiful Mexican woven blanket that was gifted to me on the quest too. It was really special. And I was just letting the sun hit me and the breeze hit me. And I was just thinking, wow, if every man or woman could do a quest, there would be so much clarity around what needs to be let go of that it would be unequivocally true. And it would be impossible. It would be actually fucking impossible for you to not let go of it. Because there's no distractions keeping you from letting go. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? go You're in the middle of nature. You can't eat. You only have water and your breath and your thoughts. That's it. (laughs) So I get to the site and I found a deer bone. And I took a deer bone and I buried it underground. And I said, I love you. I'm here if you want to be kind. Mm. I'm here if you want to be kind. I'm here if you want to be a part of Nova's life. I'm here. I'm here. I love you. And I have to let you go. I'm going to let you go now because it's time. It's time to let you go. I buried him. I said, thank you for my life. And that was it. And two days later, I was the first one across the threshold in the morning. It's very emotional. I mean, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. I think there was like 12 of us. And and as you cross the threshold, you're cleansed with sage, your hug, there's an embrace because it's a fucking radical journey. Like it's a very, very intense journey. It's not for the faint of heart. I would not recommend that people who have not meditated or not done float tanks or not done any kind of Vipassana or anything do not do a quest Mm. because it will be overwhelming for you. But if you have done some of those things, 
entertain the quest. You need to prepare yourself for something like that because you can have a really hard time out there. Mm. And anyways, I get home and I share with Carrie and I bought this blanket and it was the blanket of the four directions. And I gave it to her as a gift. And I said, this blanket, this blanket is the blanket I will use to keep our family warm. And that's still true. The blanket's by our fireplace. So that's the power of the quest. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I super appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you sharing and sharing so openly, man. Like that's how I learn. That's how everyone listening learns and yeah. gets to, you know, even though they weren't there and I wasn't there, get to experience even a small snippet of that and hopefully take something yeah. for themselves. So, yeah. And you were and are a huge inspiration for me wanting to do that. And in the last, you know, as I was preparing, I was preparing, I think almost for sure six months, almost nine months for it. And so to your point, like, and talking about, I think you had shared while we were recording, not before, but just how the power of intention, mm. just that. So even though I didn't get a chance to go on it because it's pushed, push forward or whatever, it's that I don't take, a, I don't take, it's going to happen exactly when it's meant yeah. to happen. Yeah. But the work that I had done on myself and the prayers yeah. and the journaling and the meditations and the time in nature and the floating, mm. I wouldn't change any of that because all that shit absolutely is still in my heart. And I'm just trusting that as bummed as I am, it will happen exactly when it's meant to happen. And just even having this conversation with yeah. you and getting to drop in is like exciting me, but I don't know if excitement's, it's not quite the right word that it's almost hard to just put into words, but just filling my heart, like yeah. hearing your experience. And so, man, I'm so grateful for you. And going back to what we were talking about earlier, I don't even know what number Josh were on. Josh 3.04.05.0. <laughs> now I have like the four cameras on me. <laughs> so the iPhone's been upgraded. Oh my God. Well, before we switch a question or a topic, one thing on that piece with your dad. Yeah. What was coming up for me when you were sharing that is, can you speak to a little bit about your experience? If there's any truth in this or what you feel from the question is, when you were letting him go, was there any part of you and or how have you navigated expectation around that? And I've got my reasons for that, but I would love to hear your experience of it. It's a beautiful question. I think there's a huge difference between expectation and desire. Okay. Please I, think, I think that desire is a human a shared universal human experience. And I actually think desire is beautiful and powerful because in this spiritual community, there's a lot of gurus that say you have to become desireless. And I don't believe in that. I, I think that's too much four and five D. I think we're here in the 3D for a reason. <laughs> Thank God you said that. Otherwise, dude. otherwise oh we, my we wouldn't be here. Oh, It's like I desire to have some really good sourdough bread with butter on it occasionally. <laughs> like, yeah, I desire that, you know. I desire sex. I desire love. I desire kissing. I desire warmth. I desire adversity. I desire cold tanks. I desire my sauna. These are all good things. So I desire, I still have the desire for a loving, connected, amicable relationship with my father. It's a, a desire. It's a healthy desire. But an expectation is really like I would say a darker shadow of desire. Mm. Expectation is a darker shadow of desire because if desire is pure, then it's coming from a place where you can explain it. And when it's explained, it's not a projection. Mm. So when I have a desire, like I have a desire to connect with you today, I don't have an agenda. Like it's just about connection. And the reason is because 
I like how connection feels. So there's no projection in that desire. Now, if you came into the studio and I was like, I want to pitch my program on Mike's show and I want to talk about how much money I'm making and I, because my desire is I want you to see how great I am. Mm-hmm. So I'm projecting onto you the fact that I don't actually think I'm that great. You see the difference? Mm-hmm. There's sure. a massive difference between desire and expectation. So, so it my, feels totally different. It feels, yeah. yeah, yeah just like, like even a, just here, yeah, yeah. It's very clear. And we all do it. <laughs> You're not perfect. Neither am I. Like we're all going to dance between desire and expectation quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to my father, I have a desire for a loving, connected, amicable relationship with him. But I do not... I do not have an expectation of that. Mm. There is zero expectation that he needs to call, that he needs to show up, that he needs to do fucking anything. And like, just as I say that to you, it's like, (laughs) it's so relieving, right? Like I don't, in the same way that I can't be ever a failure that we talked about earlier, it's all learning. Neither can he. He's not a failure. He did the best he could from a father that did the best he could, but as Alan Watts talks about, until you become conscious, it's all wretch and no vomit. You, mm. you raise your children to raise their children to raise their children and nobody ever heals. Well, I'm something that came through on the quest is, and I actually, you'll get to do this too. You share in a circle, you get 30 minutes to share. At the end? At the end. Okay. And something that I shared was, I am the chosen one, but it's not because I'm better than my father or better than my grandparents. You're the chosen one as well. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here on on the path. Mm. You're chosen because you're here. I'm chosen because I'm here. You're chosen because you're here. That's it, bottom line. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And so it's not that we're better. It's not that we are more cool or more spiritual or more evolved. It's just that we are gifted with the timing and the consciousness and the experience that even allows us to have this awareness. It even just allows us to have the awareness. I cannot be angry or it would be, I can, it would be silly for me to be angry or hold resentment towards someone that operated from a blind spot where they did not know. Mm. I think in the, one of the original texts, which was uh, Yeshua, it talked about forgiving the filters, forgive the filters, mm. forgive the filters in others so you can forgive the filters in yourself. The filters are your blind spots, your trauma, the things that have happened for you that haven't been processed yet that are running in the background projecting on others. Those are all filters. And every single lineage that gets healed one by one by one, they all, if they're conscious, have a more porous filter. In other words, the filter lets everything in. It doesn't block out the love. It doesn't block out the things that it doesn't want to hear. So hopefully you and I on the path, we are having a more and more and more porous filter that allows everything in because we trust ourselves so much to process what doesn't serve immediately. I think what happens is we develop this filter where we're so scared of what's coming in that really behind that fear is we don't trust ourselves to let go of something quickly. Mm. We don't trust ourselves to let it pass through. So we tend to attach onto it because we saw mom and dad do that, or we saw grandpa, grandma do that. And so we learn the filter. So we have to forgive the filters and I get to forgive my father. So I don't have an expectation on him. I don't. Would it be amazing if he heard this podcast or a year from now, whenever he chooses to call me or text and be like, Hey, I'm sorry. I love you. Forgive me. Let me see my grandson. I would welcome him with open arms, but I'm also not going to dishonor myself Mm. and be in a relationship that is toxic and that is unkind. The last thing I'll say is think of like a relationship with you and I, like a well, 
it's a well, it's a well that runs deep, right? If in the future you had something where you poisoned the well, maybe it was a hurt or a projection or a trauma, or I did the same, it would be our loving responsibility as brothers to both be at cause and clean the well. We would clean the well together. But a lot of times in families, because of pride and conditioning, both parties don't agree to clean the well. And it is not your responsibility, nor an expectation of you or me or anyone to continue to fucking go back to a well that is poisoned and drink the water. Mm. It's just not okay. This is not something that we're destined to do if we're conscious. And so long answer to your question about my father and what arose for me there and the expectations and my relationship to him. And I say that for everyone listening because I think just to be human is to have a mother and father wound. Maybe it's a small T, maybe it's a big T, but I think it's just part of the experience. I'm unfortunately probably going to do it to Nova. You're probably going to do it to Luca. Oh, there's no way around it. You're probably going to do it In to Luca. In some way, shape, or form, and you're going to have to learn from it. But the difference between you and I, and again, it's not because we're better. I want to be really clear about that. You're not better than your father. I'm not better than mine. But we are more aware. And, and it would be a slap in the face and really a dishonoring of our ancestors for us to not take that awareness and love stronger through it and clean out the fucking well with our awareness. It has nothing to do with you and I being better. It has everything to do with you and I being here on the path, understanding what this is all about. We're on the path. That's a beautiful podcast. <laughs> it's a beautiful conversation. We are literally on the path to healing the things that our ancestors, that our mother and father and grandparents could not heal. So just forgive them. Forgive them. They didn't know. And if they did know, maybe they didn't have the courage or the strength to do something about it anyways, because they were so broken and hurt themselves. Oh man, I super appreciate that just wisdom right there, man. That lands, that hits. Yeah. Wow. This has been such an awesome conversation. I can't believe, I mean, fucking A, dude. This has been so great, so enjoyable. I knew it was going to be good with you, man. Man, I can't even, I just looked down at the clock. I'm like, holy smokes. We got time. Well, I do want to be mindful of the day that we got ahead because we are going to podcast also right, right. right after That's this. Right. And then unfortunately, my trip in Texas is... How long are your shows usually? <sighs> It totally Hour. depends. Hour-ish, but yeah. like it just totally depends. Yes. But today's three podcasts. You can get a lot done in an hour. <laughs> yeah, you can get a lot done, if, yeah. especially if you're dialed and you're on and no you're dropped and you got this beautiful studio where you're not trying to figure out the cameras and the mics and all that We're stuff. Good. We're good. So, man, I super appreciate you. Thank you so much. Before we close off, brother, yes. if there is just really any final words that you want to share that you feel called or inspired to share and of course where can people find you 100 percent? yes but anything that's really you know on your heart before we close out find me at joshtrent.com forward slash podcast it's the wellness and wisdom podcast quick 30 second story this year i completely let wellness force die mm -hmm. wellness force was the old podcast so on 2 22 i thought it was a cool day to do it <laughs> i let wellness force die the word force the etymology of force didn't feel good for me anymore okay Hence why I have the water sign in the new logo. It's not, force is a very masculine completion thing. Wisdom is different. Wisdom is the integration of feminine and masculine. Wisdom is the integration of compassion and, and knowledge. And when you put all that into wisdom, it really becomes love. It really becomes love. And so I would leave, let's say, for example, if I were to die today, I would tell myself and you and all of us this one thing. I would say, no matter how far you've come, no matter what you've learned, no matter what you've experienced, no matter how many hardships or heartbreaks or things that you've been through, in this moment, no matter what, you are loved, 
you are supported and you are on the right path. Oh, oh. <laughs> thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on the path, man. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path and I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours. <laughs>